he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. From the Apocalypse of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Benedictus. Benedictus. This is the name of the man, the man of God, whose feast we celebrate today, the feast of his transitus, meaning his departure to the Father. Notice we don't say death. Death. We don't say death, but the passing to the Father, which is a liturgical notion. It's the notion of Pascha, Passover, passing to the Father. The passion of the Lord is his passing to the Father. His passing over is Pascha. And so this is, in a sense, the Easter, the Pascha of our Holy Father Benedict, his passing to the Father. And of course, uh, we know from, uh, uh, it can be calculated very easily, blessed uh, uh, Ildefonso Schuster did so in his uh, wonderful study of the life of St. Benedict. It can be calculated very easily that the year in which uh, St. Benedict died, it was a Thursday and it would have been Holy Thursday, Maundy Thursday, the day of the Blessed Eucharist. He died in the oratory with his arms outstretched, his, his disciples uh, holding him up, breathing forth his last in the presence of the Most Holy Sacrament on the day, what is often called the day of the chalice, the birth of the chalice. And so St. Benedict, without a doubt, is a Eucharistic saint. But I want to dwell today on the, the name Benedictus, Benedict, not simply because I have the name. Um, I'm often embarrassed by that fact because I tell people and people think it's a bit of a joke, but I think I mean it when I say it. I say nothing like the man. Um, <laughs> I really am not. Um, but the point of giving a, a, a person a name is is not that he be like the person in every respect, but that this person might be uh, not, and not really a moral sort of model, that I want to do the things he did, but that in a sense, this man now belongs to this saint. We speak of a patron saint as a, a helper, a patron, um, but really, I think there's a sense in which when a person is called by a saint's name, that saint, in a sense, owns that person. We can now call ourselves the client of that saint. Uh, this has to do with the old Roman system of, of patronage and clientage. So it's not we who sort of get the services of the saint, but we serve the saint, and the saint gives us the benefits of his or her patronage. The psalmist says, My heart hath brought forth a good word. Benedictus is 
the utterance of a good word, Benedictus, good word. If we had read the ferial lesson for today, there are two words in it that stick out. The first, very first word of it is maledictus, maledictus, cursed. Cursed is the man who makes flesh his arm, meaning who relies only on flesh. Cursed is this man, but blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. This is St. Benedict, the man whose whole being was turned to the Lord, who trusted never in his own self, but only in the Lord. My heart hath brought forth a good word out of the heart of God and out of his mouth comes the word which is never revoked, never repented of. Our Lord speaks it and it comes into being, period. There is a new creation when our Lord gives a name to a person. And this is why at baptism and at religious profession, a new name is bestowed upon the person. This is not something that is sort of interesting or, or nice. <laughs> it's not nice. You know, I, I don't think religion is about nice. It's about something real that happens. It's about this person becomes a new person, is reborn. In the old baptismal service of the Roman ritual, this rubric appears. I have no idea if it appears in the new uh, ritual, uh, uh, the new rite of baptism. But in the old rite of baptism, there's a rubric that says this. Since a name is given to those, to, to those who through baptism are to become children of God, newly born in Christ and enrolled in his service, let the priest see to it that ugly, notorious, or ridiculous names are not imposed, nor those of false deities or heathen profligates. Rather, let the names of saints be selected as far as possible, whose example the faithful may devoutly imitate, and to whose patronage they are now entrusted. So this is more than a kind of decorum or a cultural duty that we have to continue Catholic names because we're Catholic people or something like this. It has to do with the being of the child, the ontological thing that happens when the child's baptized. The child's name in some way is constitutive of his life as a son of God by adoption. And when I say son of God, by the way, that includes women. Men and women are sons of God. There are no daughters of God. And, that's, and the reason for that is that the son is the heir. And women are heirs just as much as men are heirs of the promises of God. So in biblical language, there are sons of God. The secret of the name, the new name, God always calls into being through the name. We are all of us Adam, Adam. Adam is a species and a name. It means men. Adam is called into being by God, is called Adam, and what does Adam do? He's given the task of naming the creation, naming the animals. The name is the person or the thing. The name is the secret of the person or the thing. In the Bible, when a man's name is changed, 
we have to pay very close attention. This is a turning point in salvation history. Abram becomes Abraham. Jacob becomes Israel. Simon becomes Peter. Saul becomes Paul. This is why we choose baptismal names and monastic names, especially. The monastic name is the changing from one to the next. The person is new, has become something else. Benedict, as far as we know, did not receive a new name as a monk. This was his given name. But nevertheless, his name was not an accident. It was a decree of God, a decree of God. His whole being is a benedictus, a blessing. St. Benedict was through and through a blessing. And so we sing on St. Benedict's other great feast day, the 11th of July, Erisque Benedictus. This is from the book of Genesis when uh, Jacob is blessing all of his sons by name and is giving them uh, prophecies of what they will be. And he, he says, thou wilt be a blessing. But in the context of the liturgy, the church is saying that thou shalt be a benedict. Erisque benedictus, and you shall be a benedict. It's very clever the way that the church does this. Isaiah, in chapter 45 of his prophecy, speaks of what it means to be called by one's name. And he's speaking to King Cyrus of the Persians, of all people. King Cyrus is a pagan. He's the one who subdued Israel, God's people. <clears throat> and all of a sudden, this is the slap in the face to the Jewish people in that book, where our Lord says, guess what? My anointed is Cyrus. This is a shock, an insult, that God would say, this man is my anointed, my Christ. Christ means anointed. And so he says, Thus saith the Lord who is anointed, his Christ, to Cyrus, and replace Cyrus just a moment with Benedict. Thus saith the Lord who is anointed to Benedict, whose right hand I have holden, to subdue nations before him. And I will loose the loins of kings to open before him the two-leaved gates, and the gates shall not be shut. I will go before thee and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of brass and cut in sunder the bars of iron. And I will give thee the treasures of darkness and the hidden riches of secret places, that thou mayest know that I, the Lord, which call thee by name, and the God of Israel, for Jacob my servant's sake, and Israel mine elect, I have even called thee by thy name, I have surnamed thee, though thou hast not known me. Does not this describe Benedict to a T? Saint Benedict, the subduer of nations, the man who didn't intend to do any of this. He fled Rome as a student and lived in a cave. He didn't even know what, what, what day it was. Uh, <laughs> it was Easter Day. He didn't even know it. He was absolutely dead to the world. But God called him forth to be a subduer of the nations, to subdue new nations for Christ. And so Benedict is one of these archetypal figures. 
Something I, I believe very strongly is, of course, we're all called to a personal relationship with our Lord. But very few of us are called to the kind of relationship that these archetypal figures were called to. Most of us are called to a relationship as sons of a particular archetypal patriarchal figure. And so in scripture, Adam, Enoch, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Aaron, Josue, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Elias, Eliseus, Jonas, Joseph, John the Baptist. These are patriarchal figures. And I hate to say it, but there's no way around patriarchy. There is, of course, matriarchy in the Bible, but it never is separated from patriarchy. Patriarchy is inscribed in being, in creation, period. God is a father, and we are called by the name of our father. The father of a countless progeny, Benedict, like Abraham, and also St. Dominic, St. Francis, St. Ignatius Loyola, all the great founders are like patriarchs, the great patriarchs of the faith. We never relate, or almost never, to God as a generic Catholic. There is no such thing as a generic Catholic. I'm a you know, we're always a Catholic from a specific context. And so for the Irish, your father is Patrick. If you're English, your father is Gregory the Great and Augustine of Canterbury. If, for instance, you come from the country of Georgia, your mother in the faith is Nina. If you come from a Slavic country, your fathers are Cyril and Methodius and so on and so on. The Lord said to Moses, See, I have made thee as a god to them. I have made thee as a god to them. That's from the Bible. Our Protestant brethren would say that. <laughs> it's from the Bible. He said, I have made thee as a god to them. Our Holy Father Benedict, like all these other archetypal figures, at the risk of sounding very odd and upsetting perhaps some of our friends in other faiths, is under the one true God, the Most Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, a God, a bearer of God's presence, of God's divine grace, a distributor of that grace, of sonship and divinity to each one of us who are called by his name, Benedictines, Benedict. And so Benedict is a kind of anointed figure through whose fatherhood we monks and oblates come to know the fatherhood of God and learn what it is to be sons in the Son. Like I said, there's no generic Christianity. There's no generic Catholicism. There's no generic sonship. We all belong to a tradition and a context. And God is pleased to set up these figures throughout history to show us the manifold uh, wonders of the fatherhood of God. And so 
I ask you to join with us, Benedictines, called by the name of our Father Benedict, and me, the very, very least of his sons, and I do mean that, that's not false pride, uh, or false, false humility. I ask you to, to invoke our Father, St. Benedict, that he once again take possession of us as his sons. In the Roman Empire in which St. Benedict came, the Father recognizes the Son, and that makes the Son. If the Father, the Roman Father, said, that's not my Son, it was thrown out. Now, that's not Christian, but the point is, the Father declares the Son and puts his hand upon him and calls him by his name. And so we ask St. Benedict to put his hand upon us once again and to call us by his name and that he may be a father to us and show us the fatherhood of God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.